Hey everyone, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Healing the Parent Wound. I'm your host, Tracy Principe. Thanks so much, all you listeners and new listeners and longtime followers. Um, just a, a message to all is that I have a Facebook group now that's called Healing the Parent Wound podcast community. So specifically for those of you that listen to the podcast and enjoy the podcast to join the group um, and and um, get some support and camaraderie via a private Facebook group. If you feel called to do that, please join us over there. So today's episode is going to be a little heavy and I'm going to be talking about Um, Growing up with parents that have a mental illness, diagnosed or undiagnosed, most often undiagnosed, right, causes the most chaotic, unstable childhood homes and the um, truly long-lasting effects of that. I've had several people, clients, and myself included, um, that have come from these types of homes, and um, it's, it's, you know, lifelong... um, you know, healing work that needs to be done. So I want to break some things down for you in the hopes that you can relate and find some comfort and soothing in what I'm going to talk about today. So we're going to um, gently titrate uh, through this as it could be triggering. So I'd like to start, before I start, um, to just, you know, help you get grounded by noticing your feet on the floor. Take a minute um, to just notice your feet on the floor or wherever your feet are and notice what that feels like to have the floor support you or your bed supporting you or your couch, whatever it is that you're seated on noticing that support and then noticing the space that you're in just looking around and noticing and letting your eyes gaze on perhaps something soothing pleasurable something pleasant comfortable and just noticing that and noticing maybe placing a hand on your chest and noticing that making that connection with your body and taking a little bit of a deeper breath if that feels okay for you to do and just noticing your breath and notice your chest rising and falling and getting comfortable and settled, settling in. And we shall begin. So growing up with a parent with presumably an undiagnosed mental illness, um, first of all, is is very destabilizing and very chaotic and causes so much confusion um, and a lot of identity issues for one. And if that ha- and if you had that parent that never got help, they never got a diagnosis, they never got stabilized, and you had that unstable parent doing whatever they did throughout your developmental years, you know, from the time you were born through 
when you left home, that is a tremendous amount of stress and hypervigilance on a little child's developing brain and nervous system, right? And the impact, the impact of all of that um, will, you know, most likely follow you throughout your life. And you might be aware of some of those patterns currently in your own life. And there are some that you uh, most likely are not aware of, right? That are, have become part of your personality. So I'll give you a little bit of a backstory for me, what my experience was like, and you might be able to relate to this. I knew from a very young age, from the time that I can remember, that there was something wrong with my mother. It was a feeling. It was a feeling. Um, there wasn't anybody to validate my feelings, right? There wasn't anybody around. Um and so what happens is that as children, the only option we have is to internalize those feelings that I'm bad, there's something wrong with me, um, and that maybe if I do all of these things, you know, my mother will get better or she'll love me or, you know, acknowledge me, um, or I can, you know, I can make this instability go away. Whatever it was that, you know, you were trying to do, right? Except you didn't know that you couldn't do that, right? That that's not possible and it wasn't your job to do that. So I also remember feeling a lot of shame at a young age about my mother and my family situation. Again, I didn't have words. I just had a feeling. And I knew that other people's families were different. I didn't have words for that. It was just I knew this. And I never expressed that. It was just internalized shame, right? Because every time I saw other people or somebody asked me a question, it was very, very shameful for me and difficult for me to answer. So what that really was, it, it was like, you know, it, it felt like no one would love me if I told them my shame-filled story. And maybe it felt like that for you. No one would love me if I told them my shame-filled story. So what I did is I created a story that was a little bit more acceptable that made my mother out to be a better person than she was. Right? And I certainly didn't air my dirty laundry out into the world. So I tried to create something more acceptable. And in that process, I lost myself because I tried to create a more acceptable me, a successful version, a perfectionist, an achiever, all of those things to combat that sh those feelings of shame and inadequacy and very low self-esteem, right? 
And that's what I did for many, many years, decades, until of course that stops working. And of course I had an addiction because I needed to relieve that pain and stuff it away and keep going and, and keep striving and doing all of the things, except at some point that those coping skills and survival skills stop working, right? So if you grew up with a parent that had what we now, you know, think of as a mental illness and depending, you know, um, if you, you know, if you, depending what generation you come from, certainly growing up in the 70s, there wasn't the internet and didn't have these words or, or knowledge and nobody in the family was addressing anything. Um, or maybe if someone did try to address it, like, hey, maybe you should get help. Um, there was a lot of, um, you know, defensiveness and pushback from the other parent or, you know, for, from the parent that had, you know, was mentally ill or there was a lot of enabling, right? Um, and codependency. Um, and because sometimes it serves the other parent, right, to um, have that person, meant, you know, being mentally ill and they're the one that's codependent and enabling in, in, in their role um, in that dynamic. And then as children, what was our role? Was it the caretaker? Um, you know, did, did you notice the hypervigilance of wondering what was, you know, what was happening with the parent? Did you experience their lashing out, their rages, their um, psychotic episodes, um, their delusions, their hallucinations, their depression, their mania, you know, all of these, these different things that could have, could have been happening. And of course, you wouldn't have known what was happening and no one was there to validate what was happening but perhaps you knew something was wrong and perhaps you thought you were the cause or perhaps worse you did see a parent going to um, an institution um, for a period of time and perhaps they did get out and perhaps they were better for a while if they, you know, got some medication or maybe they got worse. Um, and then maybe, you know, maybe they went off their medication. Maybe they attempted suicide or maybe they even followed through with that. And if you had to endure um, any of those things, it is extremely traumatizing and creates so much instability in your nervous system, the hypervigilance that it creates can wreak havoc on your adult life and relationships. Um, and my clients that I work with that have come from environments like this, like myself, it takes a very, very long time to unwind all this, right? I'm going to say that it takes a lifelong journey um, to, you know, really understand and then rewire the nervous system to create some sense of safety and stability within you, your own felt sense of that. Um, 
find, you know, find who you are authentically, right? And try to make sense of your parent. And one thing that can be somewhat helpful along that journey um, is, you know, understanding now that we have the information that we have that, you know, your parent has a mental illness and perhaps looking at family history, if that's available to you, to understand what happened in these previous generations that maybe caused that, right? And one of the things I hear, and I, and this was true for me as well, is what if I'm mentally ill? What if I have, you know, what if that got passed down to me, right? And certainly by some of my behaviors, that looked like it could have been a possibility. But oftentimes, um, you know, it is, it is complex CPTSD, right? Complex post-traumatic stress disorder. That certainly can show up as depression, anxiety, rage, um, you know, all kinds of, of um, behaviors that are acted out that could be similar to that parent, right? And so sometimes we can fear, what if I have, if my parent has this, what if I have it? And, and so that's a valid fear. But oftentimes what I see, it is, it's the trauma, the extreme trauma of what happened to you and how that's playing out in your adult life. And it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Your poor nervous system, the, I can't tell you the level of stress that you got wired for with a parent that had a severe, undiagnosed, untreated mental illness. Over and over and over again, you had to experience that through your developing years. What kind of damage that does? It does a lot of damage. So, you know, really being kind and gentle with yourself and understanding, you know, what happened and we might not ever know what happened, especially if our parents aren't forthcoming about that and they probably haven't really um, been truthful about their own trauma. They minimize and deny it and other subsequent generations do that also. So you might never really know what happened or get the full true story on that. Um, but you can assume with severe mental illness that a parent was absolutely traumatized and that would have been from their own parents. And then that passed down through multiple, multiple generations, right? Five, six, seven, eight generations going, you know, just ongoing because we didn't deal with it. We're just dealing with it now. So nobody got help. It would have just been passed on. And um, you can see that, hopefully, um, to understand this a little bit better. And you're not responsible for your parent getting help. The thing that shows up and that gets keeps playing is that and as an adult, we are still taking on that responsibility for our parent of trying, perhaps trying to save them, right? 
trying to save them, trying to rescue them. And that will show up in your adult relationships, trying to save, trying to rescue. The tremendous burden and stress of trying to save that parent that perhaps, yeah, is, is, has had multiple suicide attempts or hospitalizations as a child. If you saw that parent, um, you know, trying, trying, and you trying to save that parent, emotionally caretake, rescue, that's all going to show up in that trauma reenactment in your adult life somehow or other. It, we just don't escape that. It could be very subtle. Sometimes it's not going to be like, you know, you ended up with a partner that has a mental illness. It's most likely going to be a partner that's emotionally unavailable, or maybe they're addicted. Something along those lines. It's always recreated until we address it in our own body somatically or with internal family systems, parts work, where we can address and make connection, make contact with those younger parts of us which is not always easy to do, right? So all of those things are factors that will play out in your life and this hypervigilance um, that, you know, could get pretty obsessive at times um, and the rumination of staying in your head because your body certainly wasn't a safe place to be. And perhaps you even remember you know, dissociating from that. And that would have been a completely normal trauma response to experience a high level of dissociation as a child, because that would have just been too much. And depending what the other parent was doing, if the other parent was not there, or the other parent was wrapped up, you know, in, in trying to manage the mentally ill parent, then they were also not available and perhaps you went unsupported and nobody was making sense of your feelings or explaining to you that, hey, mom or dad has this mental illness and we're getting help. But if that person was also involved in that chaos and recreating their own traumatic childhood, then nobody got support. The children were not supported. Things were not explained. Nobody was getting help. And that's really, really, really unfortunate. Really, really unfortunate. And perhaps even now, as an adult, your parent never got the help that they needed or they refuse all help. And they might still be in that, you know, that dynamic, right? Or they might be alone and old. But even if you're no contact or low contact with that parent, these patterns will repeat themselves in some way or another in your adult relationships. You can't escape that. So thinking about that now, just checking in with your body and noticing, um, you know, noticing any sensations that you might feel after listening to this, I want to pause there. Um, and just notice, notice what you feel if you feel some tightness, some sadness, some anger, or maybe you feel a little dissociated listening to this, and just noticing that. If you feel a little dissociated listening to some of this, you can come back and 
I invite you to maybe squeeze your arms and notice your body and see if that feels okay. If it doesn't feel okay, you can focus on, again, something in your room that might be soothing and comforting or a pet or a pillow. And if you notice that you're sad or feeling a little overwhelmed, perhaps again, focusing on your feet or your legs or something that feels a little more solid or to maybe it just feels neutral, or a little more stable and just focusing your awareness on that or perhaps rubbing your legs and seeing how that feels. And if that doesn't feel good, trying to notice something in your space that could be soothing and noticing your breath and maybe taking a breath, taking a little deeper breath and seeing how that feels. So another thing growing up in that kind of instability, it creates learned helplessness, right? Because you are literally helpless, the feeling of being helpless. And what does that feel like in your body? Noticing, you know, what did that feeling of being utterly helpless? Can you notice where you feel that in your body? And how did you experience that being helpless as a child, right? So what that does is creates learned helplessness. Just noticing where you feel that and maybe placing your hand on it and sending a breath down there if that feels okay to do and focusing on your feet if that feels a little shaky or um, scary to feel or overwhelm or if you feel overwhelmed again you can focus on something in your room and just taking a deep breath Noticing how that feels. And then thinking about that mentally ill parent and thinking about the whether that was your mom or your dad, thinking about the other parent and what was their role. Did they sweep things under the rug? Did they, you know, go out into the world like everything was fine and normal? Um, you know, what was their explanation for what was happening in the home, right? Did they talk about it at all? Did they discuss emotions? Um, did they just carry on as if everything was fine until another episode? Did they try to get that person help? Did that person refuse help? Um, you know, did it, did it create a lot of arguments or did it create a lot of avoidance? What was that like, right? So that kind of secondary trauma. And if you had siblings, did you find comfort in your siblings or maybe a grandparent? Was there anyone that provided comfort, support? Um, 
you know, thinking, thinking about that aspect? Or were you totally alone in all this with nobody? Oftentimes my clients will tell me something like, you know, it'll be a relief when my mother dies or my father because they, you know, the it's and that's a perfectly okay thing to say in my space because I get it. I totally um I've had that same feeling and thought um myself and, you know, verbalizing it it will be a relief because you can't say that to too many people, right? But to say that, um, because that that agony for them and for you will be over, right? And so just thinking about, you know, that, that child part of you that so when you think about that child part of you that went through that experience you know how does that feel does it feel like you can connect with that little that little boy or girl that experienced that trauma or do you feel like that is just way too scary and you know you've worked so hard to get away from that pain right so when you think about that child that perhaps, you know, saw a very unstable mother, um, what, you know, and the things that you had to go through and that the things that you felt that you couldn't verbalize and you didn't have anyone to validate your experience. Do you feel like you can get a sense of that? part of you as, um, uh, you know, like a separate little part and you are the observer of that little younger part, right? So if we're talking parts work, IFS, thinking about that part of you, can you, do you feel connected to that part of you that experienced that? Or is that just like something you can't get close to, right? which is totally normal and understandable. And just noticing as you drop, as you begin to try to drop into that space and connect, just noticing if there's resistance, right? If there's resistance, if it feels like there's a wall, if it feels like there's a lot of distance between you and that child part that experienced that, that's all really normal. And that lets us know that, you know, no, I, I can't connect with that part of me. It's stuffed away for good keeping and there's a lot of protectors there and um, for good reason. And so that's all good information to have. And that's a way of working with those protectors to get closer to that child and eventually be able to connect because that's what's going to integrate that exiled part of you right and just noticing if you can and if you you know what that brings up if anything if that brings anything up as you connect with that part of you 
And if you feel like you have compassion for that part, right, that would be having some compassion for that part of you that experienced that, whereas often we criticize and judge or we have this very strong inner critic um, because that is a protection against um, getting in touch with this part with compassion, right? Yeah. And so seeing if we can get in touch with that part and, and offering some compassion might go something like this. You know, I'm, I'm so sorry that you had to experience that and that nobody was there for you and that nobody validated you. It wasn't your fault. I'm here now. I'm going to keep you safe. And maybe you could ask that little part, is there anything you need from me? Is there anything you would like to tell me? And you might hear nothing, right? And that and that's okay. But just saying it, right, can also help us um, rewrite the script of having that strong, strong inner critic. And just notice how that feels in your body. And stop if it's too much or feels too overwhelming stop, go get a glass of water, get up, move around, do something else, take your time. This is very difficult, delicate work. And I'm certainly just doing the very basics here on this podcast. Take a moment, get a pillow, get some water. Notice your space. So, this kind of work is really long and really hard and also necessary right? Because that cycles of hypervigilance and distrust and dysfunction, um, or that love and fear and, you know, the, the, um, identity instability become so intertwined that it's even hard to recognize and we can lose ourselves in that. And to, you know, start breaking that apart can feel like even more of a loss in a way of, you know, who the F am I, right? And all of that is really normal. And and it requires a lot of care and requires a professional um, and really making sure that whoever you're working with is really, really um, skilled in, in this kind of thing, right? So one of the um, 
one of the things that I've come to, um, you know, in my healing journey is see my mom as a very wounded person, right? I can observe her, and this takes a lot of work. It took a lot of work to get to this point, but seeing my mother as a, you know, wounded soul, I will most likely never know what happened to her, um, and I don't need to know, I, but I can see her as this person instead of hyper-focusing on the things she did that caused me pain because I stayed in that for a long time. And I'm not there anymore. I don't hyper-focus on the things she did that caused me pain. Okay? And yes, she was all these things, right? And she did some very serious damage. Very serious damage. And yes, she's someone that shouldn't have had children. Um, but I can also see her as human. She's a human. She had some trauma. I don't know what she had. Enormous amount of emotional pain that she must have bottled up. And I got caught in the fallout. But a big part of that paradox is that understanding my trauma and understanding my mother has also given me the freedom to be liberated from those chains from her, right? And again, this comes with a lot of work and it's so totally understandable if you're not there. It's, it's totally okay. This comes with a lot of work, healing work. So, so I'm not in. So I'm in a space of yeah. I believe my mom did what she could given the tools that she had at that time. Because if she was able to do better, she would have done better, right? And so she didn't have many tools and she made very horrible, terrible decisions based on her mental illness, which progressed. And I, looking back, I can also see the progression of her illness across, um, you know, my childhood. And now seeing this 80 year old woman that is completely in like a, um, she's softened, she's definitely softened, but she's softened in this way that's almost childlike, that's kind of, um, she began opening up more about my dad, and, um, but not, but kind of in this weird, like childlike, wounded way, um, and she never talked about him before. So that was a little triggering for me. But I listened to that. And I'm able to do that because I'm really grounded in my body. And it doesn't it doesn't trigger me because I'm detached from that. But not in a dissociative way. 
Um, and I, because I see her as this human and what she is saying, but she kind of lives in this false reality that she created for herself um, at 80 years old that is very dissociative and fan, fan, kind of a fantasy world that she's living in. And I can see from a trauma, looking through a trauma lens, how that got created and this progression of this mental illness that has, you know, come to the state of being an 80 year old woman that is kind of um, reminiscing about the past that it isn't really true, you know, what the past was, if that makes sense, right? So she's created this fantasy thing that I know for a fact was not true. Um, but that insulates her and continues to protect her, but it's come it's become very dissociative and almost childlike, which I find very fascinating, right? So because I see my mom as a human, I can see that for what it is and I can I'm not taking that on, right? I'm not personalizing that. I don't take that on. It's it would be like um, you know, it, it it's it's like I'm just listening to this older person um make up stories about their life right um so but that you know that takes a lot of intense trauma therapy and somatic work and internal family systems work to get to that place to be you know to just not not be attached to that right so super you know important um to you know that is a play, you know, that would be kind of a, somewhere that we could um, get to. And if you're not there, there now, you might think like, oh my gosh, how would I ever get there? It is a long journey. It doesn't happen overnight. But it is very freeing and liberating to be in that place of, you know, given my mom's mental illness. And if we can understand someone with an illness we can't expect them to do something that they're not capable of doing because their brain literally doesn't operate that way. Really important thing to understand. Their brain does not operate that way. And so we can't look to them for what we need from somebody that literally has a different brain that doesn't operate how we want it to operate. And because this is part of our family and our lineage, we've got to find some compassion, right? If there's a way that we can find compassion is how we're going to find compassion for ourselves, right? Because they have a mental illness. Now, was that an excuse to be traumatizing? No, of course not. You know, they should have got help. They should have got treatment. Somebody also should have recognized that and, you know, got them help. And those things didn't happen or somebody tried to do that and, you know, they didn't want it. Right. And so that wasn't our responsibility to fix another adult needed to to step in and do that but if we can there's a big grieving process in this right of what we needed that we didn't have and what what needed to happen that didn't happen there's a huge grieving process and sometimes the anger and you know the blame 
can keep us protected for a long time from getting to that grieving. It will prevent the grieving process, right? Um, which again, it makes a lot of sense. And, and that's typically what I see is people being angry and blaming, which is valid, however, and we can get stuck there for a really long time, which prohibits us from healing. Um, and we do eventually need to come to that grieving process of grieving what we never had. And that's and, and it makes sense that we would want to protect ourselves from that because that's what we're really feeling is that grief and sadness and loss, tremendous, tremendous loss. Um, you lost a parent or you never had that parent due to a mental illness that probably consumed your entire childhood and might be even consuming you now as an adult, right? So give yourself some grace, give some compassion to those wounded little children that experienced all of those things and notice how that feels for you. And if it feels uncomfortable, or upsetting or like too much and too overwhelming. That makes a lot of sense, right? All right, just checking in one last time. Before I conclude this podcast, just noticing what you're feeling and giving yourself some compassion. And maybe if it feels okay to give your whole lineage some compassion, right? This came from somewhere and, and this doesn't happen in a vacuum. So you are part of that. And maybe you hate that you're part of that. That's valid too. Whatever you're feeling is totally valid. Like, why me, right? And just noticing that. And maybe grounding in one last time. Taking a breath. Giving yourself a hug if that feels okay. Petting your dog or your cat. Grabbing a pillow. I appreciate you here with me today. If you have any questions or you have a topic, um, please feel free to email me, tracy at tracyprincipe.com or post in the Facebook group if you're in there. And as always, until next time, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and listening to this. Please share it with anyone who might need this. Take care until next time. Thanks so much for tuning in.